Hey, if you have your Bible with you this morning, you can turn to Romans 12, Joshua chapter 1, or Matthew 25. That's the passage we'll really be diving into this morning as we continue our series, God's Prescription. And the idea is this, every week I'm searching the Lord's heart for something he wants to speak into. God's word has a lot to say about life. And how many of you know that the world also has a lot to say about how to do life? And there are increasing and varying opinions about how to do life, about how to do marriage, about how to do sexuality, about how to raise your kids. And God's prescription, God's word is his prescription. And I'm telling you and I'm challenging you and I'm encouraging you that the only thing that is unshakable as the opinions increase and the variance of those opinions begin to broaden is the very word of God. And Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 22 says this, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Listen, the, the motivation for this series a few weeks ago, one of our children, uh, we were about to go out of town, go spend some time at a resort. One of the big features of that weekend was going to be spending a lot of time outdoor at the pool, and one of them got an earache, and we took him to the doctor, and they made a prescription uh, some antibiotics, and my wife, this isn't our first rodeo, and, and she said, listen, that antibiotic, uh, t uh, can you, is there any way you can prescribe this antibiotic? That one's appreciated, but is there any way you can prescribe this one? Because when we get this one, it really deals with that ear infection, and, they, and, the, and the, the, the doctor actually said something to that effect, this must not be your first rodeo, and it wasn't, and, and she said, sure, we can prescribe that. That's the one that will really take care of it. And then a couple days later, I started to, to get an eye infection, and I'm still dealing with it this morning. I don't know if you can tell, if you can see up. Uh, hopefully you can't, but I'm dealing with some redness and some irritation in one of my eyes. And believe it or not, it was much, much, much worse just a few days ago. So thanks for prayers. I know that the Lord is going to, going to heal me and see me through. I, I'm seeing double a little bit this morning, so I don't know if that means I'm going to preach twice as fast or twice as long. Ray wants both, so you <laughs> But I went to the doctor, and they prescribed, it was, it was interesting, they prescribed a, an antibiotic, and then I went back to the doctor when it wasn't getting better, and he said, you're going to cancel that antibiotic, and I'm going to put you on this antibiotic that will really take care of it. Of course, at first I thought, well, why wouldn't we just cut to the chase the first time, you know? But I understand. I know that there's reasoning that goes into that and everything. I understand. I get that. But it began to speak to me that oftentimes we settle for the world's prescription, that gives us a measure of peace, a measure of power, a measure of purpose, a measure of success when God's word will really bring the fullness of what God intends for you in every area of your life. Someone ought to say amen. amen. As I continue to deal with this, I just started to say, Lord, I, I don't need any more sermon illustrations. You could just heal me now, you know. <laughs> Today, I want to talk to you about God's prescription for success. The previous two weeks, we talked about God's prescription for power, which is an everyday, real-time, present-tense relationship with the Holy Spirit, that the, that the Word of God is very clear, brings empowerment to our lives. Last week, we talked about peace, that the heart of God in every season, every circumstance, every situation, in all things, for every believer is for you to walk in a sense of peace, that that's the inheritance. Jesus said, my peace, I leave you. It's an inheritance for every believer. He said, not as the world gives you. Again, a measure of peace. There's a measure of peace you can find in the bottle or in the pills or in the person or in the website, but it's fleeting and it's, and it's circumstantial. And it says, there's a peace that God will give you that is abiding and deep and cannot be stolen from you because the source is Jesus. 
And this week, I want to talk to you. If you missed those messages, go back and listen to them. This week, I want to talk to you about God's prescription for success. And listen, can I tell you, this message is near and dear to my heart. It's important to me because here's the thing. I do not take for granted the privilege, the honor, and here's the thing, the responsibility of being your pastor and preaching and teaching the word of God to you. And here's what I realized. There's a lot of opinions about what success is and isn't. There's a lot of things that the world has to say about who is a success, about what it takes to be successful. And here's the thing that I understand as your pastor is that one day all of these things, all of these people, all of these places, this world is passing away. And every one of you and, and myself will stand before the Lord and give account for our life. And so the way we preach this, listen, my heart, here's what matters. What can God bless? Again, a, a myriad of opinions increasing and expanding in our culture about what success is or isn't, isn't what really ought to matter to us, what God can bless. What is God's measure? What is God's definition? What is God's prescription for success? And listen, in our culture, there's a movement to water down the word of God to make it more palatable to our culture. And listen, the problem with that is, is that the world is passing away. And, and, and really, again, what matters to God? Here's a great question to ask yourself. Does what matters most to God matter most to me? And the world has a standard. Romans 12, 2 warns us about this. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Somebody say transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Now catch this. Watch how God associates not being conformed, not thinking like the world, but thinking like God thinks, thinking higher, thinking different, thinking beyond the world's standards, the world's measure. Watch what he associates it with. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. How many of you would like to know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life? Come on, it's not a rhetorical question. I'd like to know. He says you got to think differently. We got to be willing to redefine what success is. What really matters is what can God bless. Come on, let's pray over the word today. I'll pray over us corporately right where you are, man of God, woman of God, young adult. Would you, would you pray over your circumstances, your situations, what you're up against, your challenges, your obstacles, your hopes, your dreams? Father, in Jesus' name, we, we are here in this place to do more then just sing a few songs and hear a message. We are here to encounter the spirit of the living God and to dig into the word of God, which is living and active and sharp. And we thank you today, God, that your heart is to bring about, Lord, whatever it takes, Lord, to help us to apprehend and to begin to live out, Lord, the life that you can bless. Lord, anyone who's here today or joining us online, who's weak or weary or wounded in any area of their life, Lord, physically, as I'm dealing with some struggles, Lord, physically, God, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, God, thank you that today would you show up in this place and do what only you can do beyond what a preacher or a pastor could do, Lord, would you show up and encounter your people, bring healing, bring hope, bring freedom, bring strength, bring renewal, bring new life today, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, I bless this congregation, God. I pray, Lord, that we would have open hearts to receive what you desire to do in our lives, what you desire to speak to us and impart to us today. We, we say, speak. Your servants are listening. 
We want to know you more. We want to be more get fully given to you, God. We want to walk in more of your good and perfect and pleasing will for our lives, for our marriages, for our homes, for our workplaces, for this church. In Jesus' mighty name, and come on, every one of God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Joshua 1 verse 8 says this, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Somebody say good success. I think this is a powerful thing, good success. You will have good success. I think this is powerful. It implies that you can have success that is not good. And we know it's true. The Bible says, Mark 8, 36, what does it benefit you if you gain the entire world but lose your very soul? But Joshua says, listen, if you listen to my word, if you'll bind them on your heart, if you'll meditate day and night, so in a way that causes you to be careful to live according to my word, he says, then your, your way will be made prosperous. Then you'll have not just a measure of success, you'll have good success. And listen, we desperately need Christians succeeding and influencing and leading and shaping and molding and impacting our culture. And there's a religious spirit that says, be careful about too much success. And I'm telling you, God wants you to succeed in every area of your life. Again, it bears repeating, we need believers succeeding in the marketplace, leading the way in the field of education and government. How many believe it to be true? We need people to stand up and to speak up and to step out, to be salt and to be light and to be successful in those areas in a way that causes people, like the word of God says, to see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. We got to come against that religious spirit. Even in the financial sense, the religious spirit says that, that money is the root of all evil. The Bible never said that. It says that the love of money is the root of all evil. We need to be prosperous. We need to be successful. We need kingdom-minded business people to be building God's kingdom with their resources and their influence. We need Christians succeeding and influencing and leading the way in our culture. Listen, it's the heart of Jesus in John 14, 12. He took the lid off of your life and every area of your life when he said this, truly, truly. And when, when anytime the Bible says that, it's added emphasis because we know that, that Jesus would never lie to you, you know. So you would think one truly would be enough. Other translations say verily, verily, truly, truly. He's trying to get our attention here. And watch what he says. He says, I say to you, whoever, say whoever, Look at your neighbor, say, that includes you. Yes. Believes in me. Come on, who am I talking to? Am I talking to some believers in the house today? Yes. So this is about you. And watch what he says. He says, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and even greater works than these will he or she do. He took the lid off of you in every area of your life. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that profound? And he goes on to talk about how it's because he goes away to the Father and the Holy Spirit lives in us and it's the spirit of truth and he's revealing things and he's leading us and guiding us and he's gonna empower us. Listen, God, he says greater works. God does not despise greatness. He resists pride. He doesn't despise greatness. He resists pride. James 4, 6 says he gives grace generously. 
He gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace, somebody say grace, grace. to the humble. And listen, grace and mercy are related, but they're unique. Mercy is the fact that I am not getting what I actually deserve. Grace in the Bible references unmerited favor. In other words, I am getting things from God that I also could never deserve. So I, I, mercy is, is God not giving me what I fully deserve, which is punishment and chastisement and separation from God because of my pride, my sin, my rebellion, me going my own way. I'm not getting that because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Come on, that's good news. You're not getting what you deserve because of the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. We should have the altar call right there. Grace is the empowerment of God. He says, I give grace in generous measures. I resist the prideful. I give grace to the humble. We need Christians succeeding and leading and influencing in every area of our culture. Second Chronicles 16.9 says this, and again, we're talking about God's prescription for success. And watch what it says. It says, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro. Somebody say to and fro. It's not really relevant. I just wanted to hear you guys say to and fro. <laughs> He's looking to and fro. Another translation says, all throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. God doesn't despise greatness. He resists pride. But let me tell you, man of God, woman of God, in every area of your life, when God gets your heart, when God gets your heart, that's what he's after. He's after your heart. He's not after your money. He's not after, oh, he's not after all those things. When God gets your heart, he gets all of you. And he's after your heart. And, and this scripture says he's looking. I mean, can you, can you just picture that? Allow yourself to picture that? The eyes of the Lord are searching. He's roaming. He's looking. He's searching. He's looking for someone whose heart is fully his so that he can show up in your life, show up in your business, show up in your company, show up in your home, show up in your relationships and give you his support. And not that wasn't a strong enough way to say it. He said strong support, whose heart is fully his. I mean, come on, I don't know who I'm preaching to. Who am I preaching to this morning? And today, you're, you, there's something that's going to stir in your life, in your heart, in some way, in some fashion. You're going to give your heart more fully to the Lord in some area of your life today. And I'm telling you, when God gets your heart, you get his grace. That's what we're reading about here. His support, his strong support. So God's prescription for success. I've unpacked it. It's God's heart for you. We're going to talk about and contrast some of the ways that the world brings definition to this, that again, we've got to break free of, not conform to, be renewed in our minds so that we might understand and apprehend and walk out and live out the Lord's perfect, good, pleasing will for our lives. And number one is that God's prescription for success moves the definition from success to significance. Just from success to significance. That there's a measure that the world uses to de determine success, and I'm telling you, the measure that God uses to, to determine success is measured in significance. And I'm telling you, what you do in unseen places, what you do as a housewife, as a, as a mom of those kids, what you do, whatever it is that you're putting your hands to, that the world would say is insignificant, I'm telling you, it matters to God. Amen. It matters to God. 
And Galatians 1 verse 10 says this, am I now seeking? Listen, this is one of the greatest questions you can ever ask yourself. Maybe, maybe second only in my mind to, to, to Jesus asking the question of Peter, who do you say that I am? I mean, that's the ultimate question that we all have to answer that really determines our, who do you say that Jesus is? But secondary to that, this is a great question to ask ourselves. And, and, and look what it is. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man, question mark? Because if I were still trying to please man, I would not, I could not, I will not be a servant of Christ. And the world is desperately attempting to please people. And there's a definition that the world prescribes to success. And I'm telling you, God's prescription for success begins to shift us from the measures of the world to the significance of what God has called you to do and to be and to put your hands to. Two, two strategic ways. Listen, I hope you're taking notes. I want to encourage you, if that's not a habit that you have, begin to write down what the Lord is speaking to you. Open up your phone. I don't mind if you're on your phone taking notes. I, I just Come on, just don't get on social, social media while you're doing it. <laughs> But write down what the Lord is speaking to you and, and, and two strategic ways to discover significance. One is be a problem solver. Be a problem solver. Nothing will bring you significance in your workplace. Like if you are a person who begins to see the problems that are laid before your company, that you begin to see the problems in your, in your school or your workplace, whatever it is, and you begin to spend time with God carrying that problem, that challenge, that obstacle, that opposition before him and understanding that you have access to the spirit of God and the word of God and that he would begin to speak to your heart and speak to your mind and he's looking at your heart and because your heart is fully his he begins to show up on the scene and give strong support to you in the form of solutions and answers to problems and you begin to show up and you say hey hey boss can I have a few minutes of your time I really appreciate everything that we're doing to address this issue but I is there something I is there a few minutes of your time that I could have at a specific time to share something with you I'm telling you nothing will begin to bring significance to you like solving problems number two is is add value to people. Serve people. Serve people. Listen, these are things that, that, that help determine and define God's measure, his prescription for success. Matthew 20, verse 25 through 28. It says, Jesus called them together, said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people. Officials flaunt their authority over those under them. I mean, he's speaking to our culture. And it says, but among you, it will be different. Say, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. Even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. You want to be significant in God's kingdom, solve problems and serve people. I mean, I don't care what it is that you do. I don't care what it is that you're dreaming to do. In some way, it ought to solve a problem in our community or in the lives of people. And in some way, it ought to serve people. I'm telling you, if that is your goal, you will have the strong support of the Lord your God. Number two, a way that we begin to shift as we operate in God's prescription for success is it shifts us from position to purpose. Position is this. How high can you climb the ladder of success? That's what the world is looking at, and that's what the world is ascribing success to. How high in the org chart can you get? And how many know, because that's what matters to the world, many people will do whatever it takes to get to that place. They will stab you in the back. They will, they will 
compromise their integrity, their character, their morality to get to that place. And I'm telling you, when you begin, when God gets your heart, you don't have to do those things because you have his strong support. And he shifts us from position to success. Position, how, how high you can climb that ladder of success. Listen, what if you spent your whole life climbing that ladder and at the end of it all, you determined and realized that that ladder was all the time leaning on the wrong wall? God's prescription for success is different. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. It shifts us from position to purpose. Did you know that you were saved for a purpose? You were saved to get to heaven. But on this side of heaven, and really the stronger mandate that we have, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm thankful. Eternity is a long time. I'm thankful that I'm on my way to heaven. But we got to start helping people to understand that Jesus spoke more often and more frequently about our mandate as believers to bring the kingdom of heaven as it is in heaven to this earth. Isn't that even how he taught us how to pray? God saved you, not just to get you to heaven. Come on, I mean, I, I'm not underlying, I'm not uh, uh, diminishing that. I'm grateful for that. Eternity is a long time. You need your name to be written in the Lamb's book of life in a way that only Jesus Christ and your confessed faith and believing in your heart can do for you. But he saved you for a purpose. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and Grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. He says, he saved you and he called you to a holy calling. When you got saved, you got called. And then it goes on and it says, not because of our works. I mean, really, your calling is not because you're smarter or better or whatever. I mean, some of you are. But he said, not because of those things. He saved you and he called you. And watch, calling here is equated with purpose partnered with grace because of his purpose and grace. Grace is the empowerment, the unmerited favor of God. Again, God, the eyes of God are searching to and fro throughout the world for someone who will just say, Lord, my heart is yours. And when you get my heart, you get everything. You get my hands, you get my head, you get my work, you get my hopes, you get my dreams, you get my career, you get my finances, you get my relationships, everything is yours, God. And he says, I'm looking for that kind of a man, that kind of a woman. I'll show up and I will give you strong support. You were saved for a purpose. Did you know that you were created for a purpose? You were created for a purpose. Ephesians 1.4 says, even before he made the world, this baffles your mind. God loved us and chose us in Christ. Jeremiah 1.5 says this in the message translation. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Catch this, before you, before you saw the light of day, God says, I had holy plans for you. And we're more prosperous, and we're more educated, and we're more connected through social media than we've ever been before, and yet we have more people than ever 
more than ever dealing with insignificance that's leading to depression and depression that's leading to despair and despair that oftentimes lead to suicide. And I'm telling you, if you are still breathing, God has something for you to do. There's a purpose that you were created for. You were in your mother's womb and God was forming and he was fashioning you and he knew that it was for a plan. It was for a purpose. Your life is significant. Your life matters to the purposes and the plans of God. Your life matters to your family. Your life matters to your workplace. Your life matters to this church. Your life matters to this community. Your life matters to our nation. You were created and saved for a purpose. Yet so many dealing with insignificance, even in the church. And I heard something one time that really stuck with me, and I honestly can't remember who said it, but they said, the opposite of depression is not happiness, it's purpose. Finding a purpose, beginning to understand that I'm, 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 I'm going to give my life away. I might have some challenges. I might have some obstacles. I might have had some adversity. They might have done some things to me I didn't deserve or expect. They might have said some things to me I didn't deserve or expect, but I'm not going to let that keep me from serving the purposes of God for my life because whoever gives their life away finds life in God's kingdom. The opposite of depression is not happiness, it's purpose. You were created for a purpose. When we begin to discover God's prescription for success, it breaks us out of that mentality of how high can I climb the ladder into what can I do and put my hands to regardless of whether it's seen or unseen. Number three, when we begin to walk in God's prescription for success, it begins to shift the definition of success from status to stewardship. And that brings us to Matthew 25. And we're going to read a good part of this chapter and unpack it. Many of you are probably familiar with this. It's the parable of the talents, and the talents are actually speaking of money. In fact, other translations that you might be reading, some might even mention a bag of money or a bag of gold. But I think it's interesting that in the King James, New King James, it says talents because I think it does speak kind of metaphorically or kind of symbolically to the fact that this is actually talking about stewardship of finances, but also of talents, abilities, things that God has given to you, graced you with in a measure that you are responsible to steward. And listen, this is the, the bottom line of this passage right here that you'll see is, is, is emphatic. And it ought to have our attention as we're reading this passage. And, and at the end of this, it says, the very last, I'm going to read the last verse. I didn't intend to do this, but I think this will cause us to listen maybe a little bit more intently. And the last verse, verse 30, says this, cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So that's where we're going. If we don't do this well, that's what's at stake. And listen, I, 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 you say, well, I, I, I came to be encouraged. Well, I'm encouraging you. This matters to God this way. And you say, keep it positive, Pastor T. I'm positive that if we don't do this well, there's something. On. <laughs> so let's listen to this. I mean, this, here's the bottom line. This matters to God. And listen, one of the big questions we're asking ourselves today is, does what matters most to God matter most to me? So back to verse 14, which means I guess we're going to read 16 verses of this. Here we go. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. And then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. Likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground, 
hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents, and look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I had gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then the one who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown, gathering where you had not scattered seed. I was afraid. Listen, you rarely make good decisions. In fact, I just say, you never make good decisions that are motivated by fear. And he said, I was afraid. I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. And look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered to him, said, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown. I gather where I have not scattered seed. You ought to have at least deposited my money with the bankers. At my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. He will have abundance, but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Cast the unprofitable servant to the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. By the way, what we're reading right here is the antithesis of socialism. And and listen, I'm not going to get too political this morning, but I'm just telling you, the rise of that philosophy and the popularity of that philosophy, it's coming from out from behind closed doors and it's beginning to be publicly professed as something that we desire to see in our nation. I believe it's a dangerous trend. And I'm just telling you, it hasn't worked all around the world. And I'm just telling you, we don't need to redistribute wealth. We need to reinitiate and restore the honor and the dignity and the value of a honest, hard day's work, taking your hands and taking the gifting and the blessing that God has given in with you and making the most of it, and making the most of it. But isn't this amazing? And, and, and by the way, I, uh, uh, the caveat there is that we ought, to, we ought to take care of hurting people. I mean, we ought to take care of orphans and widows and even the alien, the stranger among us. I mean, God's word is clear about those things. But listen, God, God's word is also clear right here. God expects stewardship. And God doesn't appreciate freeloaders. And, and, and here's the thing is, whether you have a five, a two, or a one talent distribution, God has the same expectation of you. So don't compare yourself. Don't compare yourself. What has God entrusted to you? Make the most of it. Make the most of it. What spouse has God entrusted to you? Come on, make the most of them. I mean, come on. They, you, you ought to make people around you better. You ought to take care of your car, take care of your house, take care of your yard, make the most out of everything. Get the, the people, the possessions, the purposes of God, make the most of it. Come on, somebody just say that with me. Make the most of it. Make the most of it. Stewardship matters to God. You want to be successful in God's eyes? Isn't that what he said right there? Well done, good and faithful servant. Come on, who besides me wants to hear that when you enter into the presence of the Lord? And he says, make the most of it. What have I entrusted to you? And don't compare yourself. Comparison is the thief of joy and the initiator of pride. And Galatians 6 verse 4 says, pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you will not need to compare yourself to anyone else. 
Listen, God has a way all throughout the Bible of taking who you are and what he has already entrusted to you. When you submit it to God and surrender it to the Lordship of Jesus, he has a way of taking who you are and what you already have, what he's already entrusted to you and doing supernatural things with it. I mean, just think about it. He came to Moses and Moses was even pushing back against God. He felt insignificant. He said, who am I, God? And and, and watch, verse 1, Exodus 4, he said, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord really hasn't appeared to you? Who are you? And the Lord asked him, what? Isn't this powerful? The Lord said, what's in your hand? He said, what's in your hand, Moses? I I hear you griping and whining and complaining and and wishing that you were more well-spoken and wishing that you were this or that or the other. I'm telling you, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? And Moses said, reading on, he said, a shepherd's staff, a shepherd's staff. And it wasn't some super religious icon that he was holding or something, you know. It was a stick he had found in the field on the backside of a mountain while he was tending sheep for 40 years. It was the tool of his trade. It was what God had entrusted to him. What's in your hand, Moses? A shepherd's staff, and he said, throw it down on the ground. And Moses threw it down, it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back, reached out, grabbed himself, something. Here's the bottom line. Something supernatural happens when we take what's in our hand and we surrender it to God's command. And he's still in the business of doing it. What's in your hand? You wanna be successful in God's eyes, in God's economy? I mean, make the most of whatever God has already entrusted to you, what's in your hand? I mean, just think about it, he did it with Moses. He did it with David, while the army who were all fitted in and, and decked out for battle and a, and a schoolboy from the backside of the field shows up to deliver pizza to his brothers. And he stands up and he said, who's this uncircumcised Philistine who comes against our God? And he said, you come against me with sword and spear, all the things that the world says you gotta have to win and be successful. He said, I come against you in the name of the Lord, my God, and with what he's put in my hand, I got a slingshot and a few stones. And you know the rest of the story. Later on, a schoolboy who had two fish sticks and five biscuits. God said, just give me what's in your hand. Come on, what's in, that, what's in that Transformers lunchbox you got there, bud? Come on, bring it to me. I want you to think about this. For 20 years, maybe more, Jesus was a carpenter. He was a carpenter. And I want you to just think about what was in his hand. For 20 years, he was a carpenter. And in his hand was wood, a hammer, and some nails. And even Jesus, God took what he had put in Jesus' hands. And at the cross of Calvary, he used wood, a hammer, and some nails to bring about the supernatural plan of salvation that rescued and saved you and me and 
countless others. Come on, aren't you grateful that God will take what you have in your hand and he'll, when you take what you have in your hand and you submit it to God's plan, I mean, come on, that's good news. That's the prescription for God's success. Would you stand to your feet, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. The eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro for someone whose heart is fully, completely his. I think that's a good place to start our ministry response today. Maybe you realize today there's an area, there's a relationship. Maybe you've compartmentalized God. You, you, you recognize him on Sundays and Wednesdays. But in the office, in the workplace, with your career, with your finances, with your investment account, with your portfolio, whatever it is for you. Today you recognize, man, I need to give God my heart in that area. Because I don't want to do it in my own strength. I want the support of God, and not just the support of God, but the strong support, the grace of God, the unmerited favor. Right now, man of God, woman of God, if there's an area of your life that isn't completely surrendered to the Lordship of Christ, would you just present it before him? Just present it before him. Just say, Lord, I, I, I repent. Come on, that's not a bad word in church. That's a powerful word. That means I'm, I'm seeing differently, I'm thinking differently, and I'm going to begin to live differently in a way that will attract and draw the blessing of God. Again, what matters most is, is what can God bless in your life? The world says this and that. Be seen with these people. Keep up with the Joneses. Acquire this. Build this. And God said, I'm not worried about status. I'm just worried about significance and stewardship. What's God put in your hand? Give it to him today. Listen, to it, and what is that? What are those things? What has God entrusted to you that today, maybe in a new way, a fresh way, or a deeper way, you've recognized the need to present that thing, that relationship, that hope, that dream, that marriage, that family, that, that opportunity before the Lord? Would you just, listen, I, I, I lead us to do this often because it's a powerful posture of both surrendering and simultaneously receiving from God. Just lift your hands before the Lord. Just say, Lord, I present it before you. I surrender it to you. What's in my hand, I'm willing to do. What you begin to speak to me to do, what you begin to lead me to do with it, God, I'll do what you say to do, God. I want your blessing upon every area of my life. I don't just want to settle for the measure of success I could get in my own strength. I want your prescription for success in every area of my life. In every area of my life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Grace us, Lord, to, to walk this out, to live this out beyond this moment, God. In Jesus' name. And lastly, before we move into worship one more time and get you about your day, the most important thing we do, I mean, I mean that, is give you an opportunity today, if you are far from God, to come home to God to come home to Jesus when he took that tree and he took that hammer and he took those nails that had been the tools of his trade and he surrendered it to God and the cross of Calvary he had you in his heart he had you in his mind I'm telling you today maybe you're a prodigal son or daughter you once knew God loved God maybe served God maybe grew up in the church but life has happened you've, you, you've made some decisions you've drifted from God you've gotten busy you're far from him Today, this moment is for you. He's calling out to you. Or maybe you've never experienced what it feels like to have the weight of your guilt and your sin and your shame lifted off of you in a way that you could never do in your own strength. And you could never earn it. You could never deserve it. In fact, when you deserve God the least is when you need him the most. And Jesus said, I didn't come for people that are well. I came for people that are hurting. 
And if that's you, you're in either one of those camps or anywhere in between, whether you're in this room or joining us online, right now is your moment to come home to Jesus. Right now is your moment to discover forgiveness and, and faith for a new life. And here's what I want you to do right now. Don't delay. Lift your hand high towards God. Just say, that's me, Pastor T. I'm coming home. That's me, Pastor T. I need Jesus. That's me, Pastor T. I've been weighed down by the burden of my sin today. I want to be forgiven. I want to be set free. I want to be made whole. I want to be cleansed and renewed and redeemed. Listen, maybe you're joining us online. Maybe you're not even watching on Sunday morning. Maybe you're by yourself. I think it's still powerfully important for you to raise your hand towards heaven. You are not responding to a pastor. You're not responding to a preacher. You're responding to your heavenly father. And this hand that's going up in the air is just an outward sign of an inward work that God is doing in your heart today. Right now, one more moment. And now if you raise your hand, you can lower, lower your hand. And here's what we're gonna do with the people in this room, with people online. And I don't know if anyone raised their hand, I can't see you today. <laughs> All right, I'm seeing two hands. Maybe there were two, twice as many people got saved today. I'm seeing two hands. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray this prayer together. We do it every week. We pray it with the people that responded to quickly show them, come on, we wanna come alongside you, encourage you, help you, strengthen you, help you to begin to move forward in your fresh faith in Jesus. And two, we do it together because even as we are maturing in our faith, growing in our faith, come on, we realize, I realize, everything that God can build in my life by faith, it's all dependent upon the grace of God. We never graduate from grace. So come on, pray this prayer. Let's pray it with fresh passion today. Repeat after me, Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a Savior. I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price that I can never pay, to make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. And I give you my life, I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, I'll never be the same. Come on, say it again, I'll never be the same. And then put your hands together with all of heaven. Man, so thankful for the Lord. Hey, let's worship him together one more time today.